Welcome to the E-Lounge. I am excited today that we are coming to you to talk about nonprofits in this giving season. Uh, wow, uh, November, December, as we head into the holiday season, charities are on our mind. Um, giving to others is on our mind. Uh, paying it forward, giving back, helping somebody in need is on our mind. So we are excited today. Uh, to have a very special guest, uh, Ms. Kanetta Calloway in the lounge with my co-hosts, Ms. Shankara and Titania. Annette is out of the um, is out of the area. And so we're holding it down for our sister. Um, Shankara, Titania, say hello to the people. Hello, hey, people. <laughs> all right, all right. Listen, as I said, we have a wonderful guest today, uh, Ms. Kanetta. Callaway, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about her, and then we're going to jump right on in. Uh, Kanetta is the founder and executive director of Broken Chains, which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. She is a native Washingtonian. Um, she has lived, educated, married, raised her children, all in the great city of D.C., She's a mother, sister, aunt, friend, mentor, leader, and most recently retired from 38 years of federal government service. So in her post-retirement uh, plans, she had planned to travel the world. But as you guys know, COVID-19 changed all of those plans. And so she started to really look inward. And as we've been talking about, COVID really has given us an opportunity to think about things that are more important in life, right? And so it gave her an opportunity to look at her purpose and passion. Um, and that's when she founded Broken Chains. Broken Chains was conceived out of challenges of having to provide support to a loved one released from prison. Uh, she tells us that seven years ago, her ch children's father was released from prison and re-entered society. It was a wonderful time, but also a very challenging one. Um, trying to get assistance, trying to find um, someone to help them reintegrate him back into society. Very challenging time. According to the DC Department of Corrections facts and figures uh, from April, 2021, an average of 2000 inmates were released back into society between the years of 2019 and 2021. Many of them return home without any support of family or friends. And they lack the knowledge of who to contact or where to go to obtain vital assistance needed to sustain them. So as a result, many returning citizens become homeless or incarcerated or re-incarcerated within the first three to five years, my God, of release from prison. So it's vitally important that returning citizens have a support system in which they can rely on to help them successfully reintegrate back into society. So Broken Chain's mission is to increase community support, access information to educate and empower returning citizens in DC. And it's their mission to help reduce the rate of recidivism and increase the rate of success stories of returning citizens. Ladies and gentlemen, Kanetta. Callaway with broken chains. Yay! 
thank you. Thank you so much, Kelly. Thank you. It is such an honor to be a part of or a guest on your e-lounge this evening and a part of illustrious group of previous guests. Um, I just, it's just an honor to be able to have this opportunity to come and talk about Broken Chains, the work we do, the, um, the passion that we have in serving our community. And um, I'm, just, I, I'm just elated. I'm excited and I'm elated. And on behalf of my board, we thank you. Um, again, I am Kinetta Calloway. I am the founder and executive director of Broken Chains. I have to say, um, <laughs> I've served in um, various leadership and management positions throughout my federal career, career of 38 years. And um, as a senior analyst, I served as a coach, mentor, advisor, teacher, facilitator, confidant, and friend. However, amongst the many roles and positions I've held throughout my life, both professionally and personally, my greatest accomplishment and joy has been when I'm helping people be their best. I guess... Some would describe me as, um, I guess, a servant leader. I don't know. I've heard people use that term many times before. Um, but I, I guess if I had to really define it or look it up, I would say that a lot of those attributes are probably true about myself. Um, I'm the oldest of uh, five siblings, two sisters, and five stepbrothers. Phew. <laughs> it has definitely been great being a big sister. However, with being a big sister comes a lot of responsibility and burden. And then I realized being a uh, firstborn, you're a leader. You have to definitely set good examples yeah. for your siblings to follow and hope that, you know, you are making a, a positive impact in their life. I basically was responsible, the one responsible for taking care of my two sisters while my mom worked two jobs. Um, I was responsible for getting them off to school, picking them up from the babysitters after school, as well as getting them dressed and fed while my mom was working. So I guess my role as a leader developed very early in life. Um, not something that I've always wanted it to be. Um, I never really <laughs> foresaw myself as being a leader. However, I think um, a lot of it being the firstborn is just, you know, it's just by default. And it's also, I think, is inherent. You know, you just realize that, you know, you're in a position where you have to take responsibility. And um, I just did the best I could. I know that's right. I know that's right. Listen, sometimes we're thrown into leadership positions and you just got to do what you got to do to get it that, done. You know? that, is, that is so true. That yeah. is so true. Definitely, definitely. So listen, um, Broken Chains, tell us about Broken Chains, where that name comes from. You know, mm -hmm. I thought about, you know, what it means to um, be chained, you know, what it means to be oppressed, what it means to be uh, restricted. And I realized, I said, you know, in order to break all those things, you have to break the chains. So I prayed about it. And I said, Lord, you give me the name that you would like, that you want me to have for this organization. And um, the next day I woke up and I said, it's going to be broken chains. Cause I feel like that signifies the breaking of the barriers, the breaking of the chains, the breaking of the oppression that returning mm -hmm. citizens face when not only when they're um, released, but also while they're incarcerated. So our mission is basically to help remove those barriers and break those chains. Wow. That is amazing. And I know, you know, you shared a little bit with us in your bio that um, one of the impetus 
of creating broken chains was uh, your children's father um, coming out of coming out of incarceration and all the challenges that you ran into in trying to get him assistance. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh yes, absolutely. Um, well, I think the the initial challenge was um, facing the reality that you know my children's father was home and actually wanted to um, basically re be reintegrated back into their lives. That was something that I had to really take a look at and come to the acceptance that it's their right to know their father, to have them in their life. However, I wanted to be in a position where I can help facilitate that process. And when he came to me to really ask for support, um, you know, I had to say in my heart, Kaneda, are you ready for this? Is this something you're really ready to do? And um, being a Christian, I had to say, you know, God teaches us that, you know, one, we have to forgive. Two, if your brother comes to you in earnest, that you need to be there to support him or her. And um, I said, okay, we talked. And um, I said, well, sure, we'll do the best that we can to support you. However, in accepting that responsibility, I didn't know a lot about what to do, how to go about getting assistance, you know, how to go about applying for social services. Um, he thankfully, um, he had a cousin who helped him get his identification, but still he did not have a job. So he needed a lot of our financial support, although he didn't ask for it. Um, but I, it was just understood that in order for him to be successful, he also needed that financial support. So, you know, over a period of time, you know, we were able to help him get to a point where he can find a job and um, help support himself. Um, it was just vitally important that, you know, we be strong enough as a family to help um, support him in that way. And then, and also doing so, you know, there were some challenges, you know, with children being able to, you know, accept their father back in their life and not really having that real relationship with him prior to him coming home. And um, aside from that, they still longed for him to be in their life. They just didn't know how to facilitate that whole um, dynamic of him coming back home, getting to know someone again, you know, being able to be at a point of maturity to be able to talk about things that you may not want to talk about that were hard for you. So, um, you know, it took a lot. It took a lot of uh, us researching um, what resources were available here in the city, um, how we could position ourselves and being able to help him um, as far as help, I helped him write his resume, you know, helped him research jobs get, to get the job. You know, I helped provide transportation to get him to the job. You know, it was a lot. I, I would say this, it was a big sacrifice, but honestly, um, it was well worth the sacrifice. And it led to uh, family reunification for my children as, as well as myself. Okay, so how important is that? When you talk about the number of African-American men in particular who are incarcerated in this nation, um, the number then who are trying to come home and re reintegrate themselves into society, not just society, but into their families. Mm -hmm. About forgiveness, Yes. Making sure that, you know, you, you were able to embrace him fully. And yes. You have a wonderful heart, honey, because I know a whole lot of people. <laughs> I mean, honestly. Uh, no, honestly, I, I, I'm there that. with you. I, yeah. I, and you're absolutely right. You know, the, the, the truth of the matter is, 
Um, I have to say and be honest about this. Honestly, I think if it wasn't for my kids, I don't know yeah. if I would have been that open to providing that support. Um, you know, it, it, it really was my motivation highly was my children because yeah. I knew that they still needed their father. They still longed for him to be in their life. And not only that, they needed to understand and learn the person that they had always envisioned. You know, they, we always fantasize about people we don't have, we, we don't see and we're not in our lives. But when you have to actually deal with them and interact with them, that could be totally different. It could be a whole different dynamic. So, That's you know, I didn't paint, never painted a picture of who their father was. I always, you know, tried to speak very highly of him, um, despite the circumstances. You know, I, I never talked negative about him, but I always wanted my children to still have an opportunity to know their father for themselves. Yeah, yeah. And um, I can tell you this, it was not easy. <laughs> it took a lot of communication, honest and open communication. You know, and sometimes that wasn't easy. It wasn't easy for me as an individual. It wasn't easy for my children to be able to um, communicate truly their feelings. It took a lot of hard conversations, you know, to get to that point. And I have to say that we're in a much better place today than we were on day one. Yeah. And you know what I love about it, too, is you have experience. So you bring experience into your nonprofit when you're dealing with other families who have family members who are coming out of um, coming out of prison and, and need assistance. You can talk to them about some of the challenges that you ran into. You could talk to them about the emotional piece, you know, yes. just, you know, having to forgive and having to, you know, look beyond, okay, yeah, you made a mistake or whatever, but I'm here for you. You have a story that will help, that is helping many other families who have gone through, who are going through um, the very same thing. So that's what I love. I love hearing stories about people paying forward from their journey experiences. And I just have to say, you know, that it, it basically, I was truly led by God. Um, I can say my situation is probably a little different from most um, while we did not seek out professional counseling, I would encourage families um, who are considering, you know, supporting their loved ones who come home to definitely get counseling, get counseling, not just for themselves, but for the family, um, if they're able to. I know a lot of organizations and even through your health insurance sometimes they will pay for that. And um, I can tell you that is vitally important, um, you know, again. Thankfully, you know, we were in a situation where we could, and, and I have to say this too, my family, my mother, my stepfather, my sisters, my brothers, they played a vital role in helping to facilitate all of that as well. Because, you know, they knew him before, they know him now, and um, they were able to speak to him on a level where they can be honest. They could be candid about things, you know, and while sometimes those things were a little tough to talk about, they were necessary to talk about. You have to be honest. You have to allow your children to be open and they being able to provide an environment that's safe for them to express their feelings. And while my children now are adults, they still need that support. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so listen, um, Kaneta, pivoting a little bit to some of the people in DC that you, some of the families that, that you've helped. Mm -hmm. 
talked about, you know, the fact that they knew their family member or their friend when they went in. They don't necessarily know what all they went through while they were in and now they're out. Right. Uh, what are some of the challenges that you've seen some of the other families experience um, receiving their family or friend um, coming out of prison? What are some of those challenges? And, and specifically, you know, from a from an assistance standpoint, right, but also from you know, other support, counseling. Right. Um, I can tell you this. Um, <laughs> most, most families, first of all, when you know of a loved one coming home, you automatically, it's just natural for you to want to help. Um, a lot of times they're helping in a way of being financial, wanting to provide things for their family members, which is great. That's well, that's all well and good. However, a lot of times there are a lot of emotional issues, um, not issues, but emotional adjustments that, um, you know, returning citizens have to make. They're coming into an environment that is absolutely foreign to them. Um, a lot of them have been gone for a long time, trying to get acclimated, um, learning their family members again. A lot of the family members when they left aren't the same family members when they return home. You know, a lot of them may, of course, probably were very young. Now they're adults, you know. Um, a lot of times, you know, people try to uh, uh, reassimilate back into uh, the family and life from once they knew, you know, expecting having the same somewhat expectations of sometimes entitlement. You know, sometimes feeling like, you know, woe is me, you know, how come you're not helping me? Well, you have to set boundaries. And let people know, you know, and be honest. Sometimes you just don't have the means to help, you know. While you may want to, you may not have the means to help. You may not have room on your sofa for your other family member, you know, to come and live. The sofa may already be occupied. You may not even have enough room and, you know, enough food in your refrigerator. You may be food deprived yourself. You know, you may be living in a situation where, you know, you're one uh, rent uh, payment from being evicted. You know, there are a lot of issues that may exist already in the family dynamic when your loved one come home and you just can't afford to bring, you know, another person into an environment which is unstable or unhealthy. You know, so a lot of times you need to be honest, you know, while you want to help, sometimes it's not possible to help. Sometimes you have to strongly rely on um, government and other nonprofit organization services to help uh, to provide the needs for your loved one. You know, um, like, again, I said, I think, you know, in my situation, it was rather unique. Thank God we were in a good place in life. You know, I, I do know that, you know, there have been many cases where, you know, family members come home and they just honestly don't have anywhere else to go. You know, literally, they have to hop couches, beds from home, from family member to family member, literally sleeping in people's cars until they can find housing. So, you know, it, it, you have to really be honest with your own situation. You know, you don't want to take on more than you can handle. And then not only that, realizing too, what situation, what relationship do you currently have with that individual? You know, what was the situation was uh, like when you left, when the person left? You know, what kind of contact have you had with them since they've been gone? You know, so 
you have to really set, you know, put yourself in a situation of realizing, you know, our relationship wasn't that great before you left. You know, I don't feel comfortable having you back into my home or even with my kids. There could have been a situation where, you know, there were court orders where they can't see their kids. So you have to be, you know, cognizant of those things too. You don't want to put your children in a situation or setting them, them up to fa- for failure when they have a desire to want to be, be united with their, their mom or their dad when legally they're not supposed to. So there are a lot of nuances and there are a lot of things we as, you know, humans need to take in consideration when our loved ones come home. While we definitely want to help a lot of times, we have to really consider our situation and any other legal circumstances that may be prohibiting us from doing so. Absolutely. And you know what? And that's why organizations like Broken Chains are so important. Mm. Um, It's your, it's organizations like yours that help them through those nuances and help them to find the assistance and the services out there that they need. Um, so they're not feeling like they have to take it on all on them, all on, you know. On their own, yes. Yeah, yeah. So Kinetta, this has been, wow, wow. <laughs> I tell you what, you know, so, so much that we don't, you know, unless you've experienced it, you really don't know that I call it that world, you know, unless, yeah. unless you have lived it. And so, um, again, wow, what, a, what an awesome, what an awesome service you give um, to those families um, uh, coming, um, having loved ones or, or family members or friends coming home. Um, so right now, we are going to do what we do. We're going to pay some bills, <laughs> break. Uh, we're going to take a short break real quick. Um, E-Lounge listeners, I hope you're getting some good nuggets out of this conversation. But guess what? There is more to come when we come back. Uh, we're going to come back with uh, another one of our co-hosts who's going to continue the conversation with Kanetta Calloway of Broken Chains. Be right back. Classy, chic, cultured, custom group travel. That's the Exceptional Travel Destination Travel Club way. From Miami to Dubai and all the places in between, XTD Travel Club has you covered. Whether you're planning a vacation or staycation, here at XTD Travel Club, we believe your next vacation is only limited to how big you are willing to dream. Customized, all-exclusive, Upscale travel for groups is what we do. Celebrating a milestone birthday, anniversary, or just want to get away with family and friends, but you want someone else to plan the trip? From the black car service that picks you up and takes you to the airport to the group dinner at your all-inclusive resort, well, our XTV Concierge Travel Service has you covered. And did we mention we offer installment painted plans on many of our packages? Well, we do. So we've got you covered there too. You just tell us where and when, and we will take care of the rest. Visit us today on the web at www.exceptionaltravel.com. That's exceptional with an X. 
on Facebook at Exceptional Travel Destinations Travel Club or on Instagram at Exceptional Travel Destinations or call us at 844-XTD-TRAVEL and get ready to live, explore, and celebrate one XTD vacation at a time. Mention code EELVK10 and receive 10% off your first travel package with XTD Travel Club. And today we have an amazing guest, Ms. Kanetta Holloway, owner and founder of Broken Chains, LLC. Um, before we went to break, Kanetta was sharing with us not only her personal story, but, right, but about the challenges and the, just the, the uh, amazing benefits that her organization, Broken Chains, has been able to provide um, to those individuals coming out of, after being incarcerated, coming home and trying to get their legs back up under them and being able to be um, contributing members to society, right? So just an amazing conversation. And we want to keep that conversation going because you know, I have a feeling there's somebody out here that may be listening to this show tonight that this may be able to help. So we want to make sure that we get all the information we can out to those individuals that may, may need assistance from an organization like Broken Chains or who may even want to help out the organizations and maybe be a volunteer with Broken Chains. So we want to keep this whole momentum going and, and this discussion going. Um, Kanetta, I know um, that um, anytime you have a nonprofit or any organization, you're an entrepreneur, you run into challenges, right? I know that. Um, from dealing with broken systems to gaining the trust of the recently released inmates, tell us about some of the challenges that you've come up against um, having since you started your foundation and you've been working with individuals that are coming home and trying to be, um, you know, re, uh, re, re-engaged within um, their communities. Uh, yes, there, basically there are a lot of challenges. Um, that's a good question too. Um, basically, uh, you know, most returning citizens um, come home and basically their immediate need is being able to um, find housing. Housing is one of the biggest challenges uh, we have in helping to, um, helping returning citizens get situated, get into a place where they can um, have a reasonable um, shelter, excuse me, and help them to be able to um, get get to a point mentally that they can feel like that they can call somewhat home. Unfortunately, until then, they're faced with having to go through a lot of different transitional housing. Um, Some uh, have to end up staying in halfway houses a little longer um, than they would like. Um, and that's basically because um, through a lot of the government services, um, there are a limited number of vouchers that are dispersed. And um, once the vouchers run out, then you're forced to be put on a um, waiting list. And as we know with waiting lists, those waiting lists sometimes are already um, years behind. And there's no preference given to um, a lot of times returning citizens. 
Um, there are circumstances, some circumstances where, you know, you're homeless and you're in situations where perhaps, you know, you're in a volatile situation and, um, you know, you need to receive housing quickly, especially if you have families, um, then those, pro then those uh, processes, I mean, then those circumstances um, may be expedited. However, a lot of times, you know, you put on waiting lists, waiting lists, I'm sorry. Um, there are some um, nonprofit organizations and some other organizations that do provide housing. However, the demand is far uh, greater than uh, what's available, you know, um, a lot of times, you know, they, you know, endeavor to want to provide housing for all those who, you know, come to those, um, organizations, but they just don't have the capacity. And unfortunately this will result in an increase in homelessness. Mm -hmm. Um, in addition, Many services aren't instant. <laughs> Again, there's still waiting lists for, you know, social services. They're waiting lists for just about everything in regards to governmental and non-governmental, unfortunately. But um, that's why it's vitally important, you know, that we be in a position to help at least provide referrals, especially if we know um, places um, that provide housing excuse me, that we're able to make those referrals. And then to a lot of times with um, returning citizens, there are a lot of stipulations on when they come home, where they can stay, where they can't stay, you know, um, they can't be in certain environments. So, you know, you have to take all of that into consideration. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot. And unless you, and, and I think Kelly said it earlier, unless you, have had that um, had someone a loved one that um, is coming home, or you're in a nonprofit like you're like you're working in and 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 trying to help out. You don't necessarily know that you don't necessarily have the insight into what these people individuals deal with, right? Trying to just become productive members of society again now that they are have come home, right? And that's that's a lot to deal with. So that that's amazing. So I I, I just want to kind of duly note it. Like if there's anyone out here listening to the show today who has housing, right, that may be available to, um, for some of these individuals that are coming out, um, we're definitely gonna make sure you get Kaneta's information at the end of the show. You can reach out to her directly and let her know if you have a room or if you have, you know, whatever you have that you may be able to, 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 to offer up to help some individuals who are trying to get back into um, society and again, be contributing members of society. Um, you know, we, 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 they need that help. So definitely keep listening. We'll make sure we get that information to you. If you have that resource available to you. Can you tell us one of your proudest um, and most successful stories with uh, an inmate that's come out that your organization has helped? Um, tell us that story. Sure. Um, <laughs> I was just basically in um, a local business shopping and um, I think I had to return something and one of the managers helped me and um, he had inquired about, oh, as a matter of fact, there were um, seven laptops um, we had bought because we were basically um, implementing a study lab um, uh, to help uh, returning citizens and other underserved to basically come into a study lab and um, take uh, a credit, uh, credited courses um, online. And um, we had gotten a 
donation of uh, some laptops in which I had to return the ones that I purchased. So he had asked the question, well, why are you returning them? And I told him, you know, that we thankfully had gotten a donation of laptops. And I further explained to him about my nonprofit and what we do. And he was very intrigued. He says, a matter of fact, we hire returning citizens. I said, is that right? <laughs> so um, he did indicate to me that, you know, um, when they are hiring, that he would be open to considering um, hiring returning citizens. So as the season changed, I reached out to him and um, reminded him of our conversation. And um, he said, sure, send the applicants over, have them, well, have them apply, and um, I will pull their applications. And recently, three of those clients um, have been hired by this business and oh, will wow. actually be starting in a couple weeks. Wow. Yes. That's amazing. That's networking for you, right? That's amazing. Absolutely. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah, wow. I am always networking, believe me. Wow, that is amazing. You use a word, you use a phrase that I don't think I've ever heard before. You said returning citizens. Yes, that's you what said returning uh, citizens. I never heard that, but that's a great way to, 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 to say that. And I have a question. Why do you say returning citizens as opposed to something else? Is there a is that is that because I know people a lot of times we don't talk about that a lot, but people get a label, right? They get labeled. Absolutely. And so Absolutely. It, I'm assuming, and I could be very wrong here that that phrase was coined to help people not feel like they've been labeled just to say a returning citizen. Is that, is that, am I right? That's absolutely right. And it creates, it it, it puts it more in a political, politically correct term. You're right. You don't want to be labeled, you know, and then to say, you know, convicts or for instance, these are terms that was used previously. It, it has a stigma attached to that. Right. So, you know, to, to make a person feel like exactly they're a returning citizen. They were a citizen when they were um, incarcerated and they're returning back to the city that they once lived in and loved and they are returning citizens. Wow. I like that. Yeah. Phrase, returning citizens. That, that, that just, that is, that just stuck out to me when I heard you say that. I was like, wow, that's a good way to say it. I'm going to have to start using that. That's a great way to make people feel um, as though they are, you know, part of whatever this is that we have, right? And not feeling like they're stigmatized or they're ostracized. That's a, that's, that's a, right. That's a great way to say it. that's awesome. You know, you know, yeah. I, I know it's, it's, it's gotta be incredibly rewarding, but mm-hmm. I know doing this kind of work, you know, it's hard to not get attached, right? Yes. It's hard to not get attached. So how do you keep from um, becoming too invested personally with your returning citizens? Um, That's a good question, Shankara. Um, Basically, it's a balance. You know, Mm -hmm. as a human being, it's hard not to feel compassion, you know, for your returning citizens. However, um, you know, I try to remain focused on helping Mm -hmm. them to meet their needs, you know, while setting clear expectations of how we can work together to be successful, you know, and giving them, um, you know, as much information um, as I can you know, to help them be empowered and and, and, and educated, you know, mm-hmm. so they can be resilient and mm-hmm. um, trying to overcome a lot of the barriers that they will face. But yeah, it's hard, especially when, you know, you've had, um, particularly in my instance, when I've had loved ones, you right. know, who were, were incarcerated and come home, it's hard not to treat them like family because when they come home, I first thing I tell them, welcome home. You know, um, you have a support system here, 
you know, and I have to be honest. I let them know what we can and cannot do. You know, I don't want to set them up for failure. I don't want to kind of paint this rosy picture that we can do everything, you know, and a lot of it is, is really contingent upon them doing their part. You know, there's a part they have to play too. So all the responsibility and burden is not on us. You know, they have to take ownership of wanting to, you know, make a difference in their lives and be successful. But it is hard, but you have to have a balance. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I'll tell you that, that is, that's awesome. You, you do have to have a balance. You know, mm -hmm. I know it takes a lot of energy, right? When I just kind of want to pivot here and talk a little bit about the business aspect of a nonprofit, right? Mm -hmm. How you had to go about setting up your nonprofit, you know, what research you had to do to get it started, you know, what have been some of your big challenges with getting the nonprofit started? Because again, you just never know who's listening and what you may share may help someone else. God has pricked their heart to do something maybe very similar or maybe just like what you're doing. If, they, if there's someone that out here that needs it, kind of tell us, you know, what that journey has been like to get the nonprofit started. Wow, that's another good question. Um, as in starting any business, um, you really need to read, read, and read a lot. Um, research everything you can on the subject matter. Um, talk to you know experts. Talk to people who are already in the business. You know, talk to people about you know um, what are the pitfalls in starting a business or a nonprofit. You know, what are the benefits? Mm -hmm. of, you know, having a nonprofit. A lot of times nonprofits are started, you know, off of the passion that you have of wanting to serve your community, which is, that's, that's great. I think that's a wonderful thing. We need people and, you know, who have the heart to want to do that. However, it's, it, it, you know, it would be in your best interest um, wanting to start a nonprofit in particular to definitely do your research because there are a lot of legal implications. There are a lot of um, state and federal regulations that you must be in compliance with. Um, one of the books that I've read, of the many books that I've read, shall I say, um, I highly recommend for those who are interested in starting a nonprofit to read um, the Start a 501c3 Nonprofit That Doesn't Ruin Your Life by attorney um, Audrey K. Chisholm. This book has become my business Bible. <laughs> um, I basically refer to this book. It's an A to Z book. It's basic, very simple to read. Um, it's um, very resourceful. Um, it goes into basically telling you from step A to B what steps you need to follow um, initially and in becoming a nonprofit from, you know, incorporating your business, um, filing for EIN, you know, filing for your uh, federal tax exemption, filing for your state exemption um, and business license to operate. You know, it gives you all the nuts and bolts. It gives wow. you all the resources on how to really start a, a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. Definitely do your research. Um, I've researched everything from Bureau of Prison Statistics on population, on prison populations, cost of housing an inmate, recidivism, you know, the impact of imprisonment on the community, you know, go to your uh, local governments and research everything that you, you know, that you can on them and any laws so you can understand and be better equipped to be able to kind of help um, navigate the process as well as also, uh, as well as um, help advocate on their behalf. 
Um, join, um, you know, join national organizations, join local organizations, um, attend as many, you know, um, conferences, work groups, um, workshops, you know, network. Network is a big one. I can't emphasize networking enough. Um, in addition, I attended a 12-week course um, the non- with the nonprofit incubator, Miss um, Deidre Johnson, Deidre Spears Johnson, who's also the founder of um, Hot to Hand, which is one of the leading nonprofit um, uh, uh, health, public health organizations um, for HIV. Um, she gives this 12-week um, course, um, virtual online course. It's phenomenal. You learn so much about how to start a, a nonprofit. You know, she walks you through the process. She basically breaks it down on the importance of how to set up your board of directors, you know, how to um, basically develop programs for your organization. I mean, it's all encompassing, you know, it's not free, but I tell you, this is so worth the investment. Um, wow. Again, you know, do your research. Talk to people who are already in the business, you know, talk to um, people that you want to, that you aspire to be like, look at those nonprofits out there that serves as models and, you know, talk to those people and learn what did they do to be successful. So, you know, it takes a lot. I mean, and you definitely have to make sure, you know, that you um, understand the importance of being in compliance, you know. You don't want to have to do all the work and, you know, try to start a nonprofit and you're not in compliance. Not to say that you won't, you know, it's like it's not like you can't do a do over, but it's still a lot of work and money that you've invested and will have to reinvest. So if you do it right the first time, then you don't have to worry about it. You know, find, you know, recouping those. I mean, recovering having that expense again. Wow. That's amazing. So just I'm going to recap a couple of things I heard you say. You Mm -hmm. said You said get involved with local and national organizations that are supporting whatever it is you're looking to do from a nonprofit perspective. Get educated, take classes, right? There's a book out here, I believe you said her name was Audrey Chisholm, is that correct? Attorney, yes, Audrey Chisholm. Chisholm, Mm -hmm. and the book is Mm -hmm. called Starting a Nonprofit That Does Not Ruin Your Life. So um, if you're listening to this, this is great information um, that um, Kaneta is sharing with us this evening. Um, we're going to just take another break here. We got to go pay some bills. <laughs> take a pause for the calls. And Absolutely. we're going to right <laughs> come right back with Kinetta Calloway as we continue our discussions um, with the owner and founder of Broken Chains. On January 25th, 2018, Danish Jones died on her bedroom floor after experiencing a severe asthma attack, but was given a second chance at life. There's nothing like a near-death experience to wake you up and shake you up. She has spent years of being personally mentored by some of the greatest law of attraction gurus, such as Lisa Nichols, Deepak Chopra, Les Brown, and Bob Proctor learning the secrets of manifesting and living the life on your highest vibration. In this manual, she gives clear, practical ways for you to experience the abundance that has been given to us all as a birthright. Can a dress change your life? 
Absolutely. As long as you know the right ways to dress yourself. And it all starts with a look in the mirror. Go to MissDanish.com. That's M-S-D-A-A-N-I-S-H.com to be notified on the details of her book, Can a Dress Change Your Life? Where you'll find all the pre-launch details. So welcome back, E-Lounge listeners. We are just having some awesome, awesome conversation, hanging out with Miss Kenetta Calloway from Broken Chains. Y'all, she's dropping some major nuggets in here this evening. Have y'all been taking notes? Like we have been talking for about 45 minutes. I've been taking some really, really good notes. But something that really struck me, Kenetta, mm-hmm. um, when the returning citizens come back, I love that you use that they also have to have some ownership, right? And getting back to what we call a little bit of a normalcy. Accountability yes. is important. We know that, right? And I like that you, you know, you're helping them and making sure you put them on the right path because obviously you don't want them to fail, but they have to make sure that they have some ownership in this thing as well. So that that really hit me um, before we went off the breaks. So I wanted to just make sure that people understand that Kinetta is here to use as a conduit um, yes. to really help you, but also there's a role that you have to play as well. And that is called ownership and accountability. So thank you. Thank you for that. And thank you for this conversation. We're going to be wrapping up in just a few moments. I just have a couple of questions. So all evening we've been talking about broken chains. And and I agree with the ladies. This is a labor of love. I've had a a nonprofit for over 10 years. And I know how hard it is to really stay in the trenches because it can Mm -hmm. be difficult you do want to throw up your hands sometime and say, you know what? But it's not about us. It's about right. the people that you're serving. And so I want to hear a little bit about your volunteer opportunities. How can we get involved? How can we help? Um, what kind of programs, projects you have coming up that we can that we can possibly help you with? Absolutely. Thank you for asking that question. Uh, I can tell you, my volunteer opportunities are great and wide. <laughs> And I say that because starting out as a new nonprofit, and you probably can uh, relate to this, Tanya, um, you know, you don't have a lot of money, number one. Um, you're really operating on the, um, the, the, the good graces and the donations from, you know, your donors, you know, through fundraising efforts, um, through any grants that you, you know, you can um, apply for and um, obtain. But mostly, you know, we need people who have expertise in various areas. For instance, like grant writing, <clears throat> we need grant writers. Um, we have um, need for people um, with skills to basically develop programs um, who um, also does marketing. Um, while we have people, and I can say this proudly and also to the fault of being a burden. But I can say this, I have had to wear many hats where um, I have learned a lot of things um, and skills, build a lot of skills and running a nonprofit. 
However, I have realized, and not that I even want to, I cannot do it all myself. You know, I have a board of directors, which they're very good. However, a lot of them work full time. So, you know, what um, efforts they can um, and support they can contribute outside of that, I'm most grateful for. But in order for us to continue to operate effectively, we need the support of our volunteers. Um, and again, we need people who can um, come out and help support our, um, excuse me, efforts. When we have um, events like our outreach um, events, we just did an outreach um, uh, pop-up uh, clothing giveaway to one of our local, um, excuse me, excuse me, family success centers over at Clay Terrace. We literally had 25 bags of clothing, shoes, um, oh my God, jewelry, hats. Uh, we had pictures, we had um, other household good items that we took over there. And thankfully, through the volunteer support that I had, I was able to set up the whole space as a boutique um, mm. for the citizens to come in and peruse the different um, clothing items, you know, take the clothing items, coats, hats, whatever it was that was provided. But without the support of volunteers, I would not have been able to do that. So we need um, support for those um, type of events and efforts. Um, we also have a huge outreach effort where we provide backpacks to our returning citizens with um, essential care items. Um, we, Although we have uh, backpacks ready to go now, there will be an opportunity in the future too to help stuff backpacks um, where we can have people, uh, volunteers come out and basically um, put uh, together those essential care items and put them in the backpacks. Um, we have people who we need to have be able to um, maintain the website. I've been maintaining the website. And matter of fact, I created it and I'm maintaining it. Um, <laughs> so, you know, those are some of just the various positions, you know, that we need volunteer support in. Um, I know a lot of people just, you know, they call me, you know, I want to help you. I want to help you. That's great. I love the fact that people have a heart to want to help and support and make a difference in the community. However, you know, we have to, we're looking for um, people, not that we're turning anybody away. We just want to basically um, understand what expertise that you, you know, you can bring to the organization and help us to advance our mission. And, um, you know, there will be a various of questions, series of questions. We have a, a volunteer um, questionnaire and assessment form that we use to kind of, you know, understand um, where we can best utilize those services if possible. We understand some people just want to be able to be on a, a call list where they can just be called when there are special events. That's fine. And um, we welcome that. However, we're still looking for people who can serve in roles, again, that are vitally, uh, vitally important. Again, like I said, you know, having people with marketing skills, have people with uh, IT and web skills, have people um, who can set up the computers when we're um, doing the study labs, <clears throat> excuse me, have people who um, basically can serve on um, our outreach um, uh, be an outreach coordinator. So those are some of the things, um, you know, that, and God knows I can use a special assistant, an executive assistant of some kind. Right now I'm being her, him, they, and everybody else. <laughs> but, you know, that's just the nature of starting a business, a nonprofit, you know, and I tell my kids, this is my, my God, you're working harder now than you did when you were, you know, working for the federal government. I said, let me tell you something. 
If I can't work hard for myself, then I shouldn't be working hard for anybody else, you know, and that's just my perspective. You know, I feel like, you know, I'm basically laying a foundation that basically will be able to um, sustain and basically be around for years to come. So, you know, I don't mind the hard work. It's just that I realistically, I cannot do it all myself. So I welcome volunteers. I love it. That, that, I mean, you said a mouthful, like you, you list everything. You can do something. That's <laughs> right. Say, grant writing, develop programs, marketing, IT skills, outreach programs. You have a boutique where clothes, backpacks, essential. Like there is something someone can do. If they don't have the expertise in these areas, give a donation. You know, yes. go and help oh, yeah. backpacks. Like all those things are important. Um, and so I understand with nonprofits, you your your business is really based off your volunteers, and you need Absolutely. people that are going to be able to volunteer their time. And so, mm-hmm. um, y'all catch that all of that because we'll wrap it up at the end, and and we'll have Miss um, Kaneta kind of you know give um, some information how you can reach her. But I, I again, my hat just goes off to you, and and I will be supporting you, and um, especially the essential care items with the backpack. So. Um, I'll be yes. in touch with you regarding that as well, especially with the holidays coming up. I'm going to make yes. sure that I can give something. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. You know, yes. we just got a call from um, one of my partners, um, organizational partners, who um, basically asked if we could provide some clothing for a family who recently suffered a fire and lost everything. So, you know, we get calls like that and we're partnering with um, an organization that we just did the clothing, uh, pop-up clothing um, uh, giveaway to. They're doing um, a turkey, I mean, doing a holiday <clears throat> dinner and need turkeys. So I'm like, we're going to find a way. We're going to get you those turkeys, girl. Yep. <laughs> she was like, we'll get them. oh my God. <laughs> yeah, we will definitely get them. That's, that's, that's yeah, count, count me in. We'll talk offline about that, how I can support awesome. Thank you so much. You're I welcome, appreciate you're that. And I'm sure the ladies here in the lounge also want to, we collaboratively will get together and do what we can, what we need to do. So well, we, we love to serve in that area. So count on us. I appreciate um, so as it. We, as we wrap up, I want to just kind of get a little bit, um, you know, your vision for Broken Chains and what you plan to do in the next five years. What does that look like? Mm-hmm. What does that look like to you? Wow, what that looks like. What that looks like for me is Broken Chains will be an organization where we're just not one, uh, not in one location, but we're basically um, spread out throughout the DC metropolitan area and right here in DC, where we have these comprehensive um, walk-in ready centers where we can be able to help facilitate, <clears throat> excuse me, the reentry of our citizens. Um, by meeting those needs immediately, by helping them to get um, uh, 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 essential care packages, helping them to get um, transportation cards right there on the spot, helping them to um, get vouchers um, for housing, um, helping them to basically um, get counseling, um, get clothing, um, be an all-inclusive, um, comprehensive system, uh, uh, a center or, or organization where we can also provide 
um, a center where we can have our, our returning citizens come in and be able to use computers right there on the spot to help them create their resumes, to help them search for jobs, to receive training on job readiness. While there are still organizations out here that do that, we're just going to be an extension arm of those organizations that exist to help further strengthen the resources and support that are in the communities to let people know that, yes, we are here. A lot of the resources and services sometimes aren't always geared to returning citizens. We want to know, we want them to know that we are here specifically to help meet your needs. So therefore, we will have centers throughout uh, D.C. that be able to walk where people can walk in. The D.C. government, um, Department of Corrections, have a ready center already. Um, it's just one center that's located at the D.C. jail. But my concern is you've had 400 inmates move from the D.C. jail over to Pennsylvania recently. So what's going to happen to that service? You know, the district is uh, is changing. And when I say it's changing, as you know, there's a lot of gentrification going on. And it appears not just in um, uh, 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 local and personal housing, but it's also in businesses, too. And it looks like the D.C. jail has been affected by that. When you move 400 inmates out of the D.C. jail to another facility out of the state, what's the likelihood of them returning? Now, I don't want to get into all that, but to say having a broken chains in these different quadrants of the city, it would be able to provide uh, an opportunity and provide resources for those returning citizens come home and know that they exist and know where to go so they can take the guesswork out of it. Mm, I love it. You laid that out. Like that's a vision. Yeah. Broken chains all across the city. Like amazing. That is a vision. That is yeah, we're gonna just claim that's gonna happen. Oh, that yeah. is, yeah, that's gonna we'll put that in the atmosphere. That is that, that's what we need. Yes, that's what we need for people just to have the walk-in centers, walk up, get what you need. I, I I'm just so excited for you and, and what you have planned for the next five years. And just I'm just in awe. Thank you so much for sharing as we as we wrap up this segment. Um it's been a pleasure. Thank you again for joining Thank us this you. evening in the lounge. Uh, we want to before we before we um, conclude, we want to make sure that you give our audience how they can get in touch with you, your website, your social media handles, all that good stuff. How can they reach you? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, we can um, be reached through our website, which is Broken Chains DC, all one word org. We can also be reached via email at brokenchainsdc at gmail.com. We can um, be uh, reached through uh, our phone number, 202-372-6548. We can be reached um, on Instagram at Broken Chains Inc. We can be reached on Facebook at Broken Chains. It's Connecticut Callaway slash Broken Chains. Um, you can definitely reach us in any of those forms of media. Uh, we will be happy to receive your requests, receive your uh, uh, desire to volunteer with us. And more importantly, we will be happy to receive your donations, monetary donations. If you would like, go to our website, click at the top of the menu, make a donation. You can make your donation right there on the website. We thank all of our donors all of those who have provided support to us thus far. 
And thank you, eLounge, for the opportunity to come on here and share with you all the work and great work that we're doing at Broken Chains. Thank you so much, Kanetta. Amazing. As we close out this, what a way to really, the nonprofit is for the month of November. This was amazing. Thank you so much. So everyone, eLounge listeners, this wraps up another segment of eLounge podcast. Um, You all, until next time, stay safe, be good to each other, and uh, we'll see you um, on the other side. Have a good evening. Your shoes off, grab a drink, refresh your mind, and elevate yourself to your best life in E-Lounge. Take your shoes off, grab a drink, refresh your mind, and elevate yourself to your best life in E-Lounge. Take your shoes off, grab a drink, refresh your mind, and elevate yourself to your best life in E-Lounge. Take your shoes off, grab a drink, refresh your mind. Shoes off, grab a drink, refresh your mind, and elevate yourself to your best life.